Um, so that was the state that the world was in when Jesus came. And he came um, to clean up our mess. Amen. And by his death and his resurrection on the cross, finally creation has the opportunity to be freed from that bondage to corruption. Amen. 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 And that is usually, when I hear this preached about or talked about, it's usually where people leave it. But I want to go one step further. I want to go all the way to the end of the story. Ooh, because there's a reason why Jesus did all of those things. There's a reason why God set all this up the way that he did. Oh, yay. <laughs> but wait, there's... God, about this slide. That's such a good slide. But wait, there's more! There's more that's happening. It's not the end of the story. Because Jesus left, and he's coming back. So the grand finale here, God tells us in Ezekiel 37, My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And again, in Revelation, at the very end of the book, it says, I heard a loud voice from heaven, uh, from the throne, saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Amen. That is the climax of the story. That is the, the purpose. That's the end goal of everything that God is doing. Um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Skip ahead. Um, he is preparing this planet to be a home for himself. That's what he wants more than anything. He wants to live with us. He wants to live and dwell on this planet. So everything that he has done since the beginning of time to the end of time is about him having a home and a place to live. And if you don't believe me, Jesus said, in my father's house, his household, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Uh, uh, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? This is in John 14. I highly recommend reading that, that whole chapter because it summarizes so beautifully his whole ministry, everything he's doing. Um, so, ever since the garden, God was dwelling there. And in the tabernacle, God lived there. That was part of the plan. The temple system was the house of God. Did I not say that? Oh, the tabernacle. That's <laughs> like. Um... He literally lived in the temple. His presence was actually in the midst of Israel. And his presence and the holiness of his people because of his presence separated them from all of mankind. Um, Jesus, when he came, he replaced the temple. So the fullness of God lived inside of Jesus. And that was radical. That was revolutionary. It, was, it would have been blasphemous for him to make that claim if it were not true. And now, now that Jesus has left, his plan is to live in you, the church, us. We, together, are the house of God. I did get that slide. Yes. <laughs> Ding. Look, it's Jesus and all of us with white robes. <laughs> so, our role in God's plan to prepare for himself and for us a home um, is twofold, and he describes it this way in Revelation. There's a lot of verses. I'm just kind of hopping along. I hope you don't get stuck. Let me know if you need me to slow down. <laughs> um, in Revelation chapter 5, uh, it says, Jesus, you were slain, and by your blood, 
Uh, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Amen. Just love that. Kingdom of priests. He's made us kings and priests. As kings, our role, this is sort of, it's the same role, but there's two sides of it. We're going to explore it. Um, it's going to feel like hopscotch where I move along a couple things and then I split the concept and then we come back. It's going to be one. Okay. Uh, so as kings, our role is to administer, administer the kingdom of Jesus, kingship of Jesus, wow, by distributing his blessings to our sphere of influence, a.k.a. our realm. Um, so in your life, you have a realm, you have a sphere of influence. Um, you have people that you interact with, you have a job, you have relationships, you have physical space, your house qualifies in your realm, your car, your belongings. Um, and you have resources that you operate and you move within that realm. You have money, you have time, you have energy, emotional energy, um, mental capacity. These are resources that you invest in your realm and they circulate and you manage that. Um, and so God is doing that with us and he's using your realm um, your influence over your realm to prepare a place for himself, right? Um, and as priests, our role is to carry the actual presence of God, to minister to his heart in worship, and to represent his character everywhere we go. We are his ambassadors. And we're going to get more into that. So again, what is the difference between the godly and the ungodly? God. Yes, God, God himself, God lives and reigns on the earth with us, in us, through us. It's a partnership. It's amazing. Again, it's, I have spent my entire life unfolding this concept, and it's, it's just, just so good to me. Uh, so as kings, let's dive in. We, the church, are the primary distributors of the resources of heaven. We're plan A. Um... Jesus said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit inside of us. Um, and so essentially, we are authorized to aim the flow of God's power and love towards anything that's in your realm. Does that make sense? Yes. So you can actually exert um, the love of God over your finances Amen. and over your relationships. You can, you can bring God into that, to that place. He gives you the ability to direct the flow of his love into all those spaces. And that is part of his plan um, for making a, a house for himself. Which is great. Get this. When God moves to answer prayer, he sends you. Oh, did you know that you can be the answer to someone's prayer? He will actually drop a blessing in your life, and he trusts you to distribute it to the right person. So if we're sensitive and we obey him, we can actually participate in answering prayer. That is amazing to me. That's so cool. I have been a part of those experiences before. So when you give a prophetic word, when you give an encouragement, when you give money, that is so often an answered prayer. Eating with losers is a way of expressing 
<laughs> the kingship of Jesus, he, he does. He eats with me, and it's crazy. Um, I tried to get Bible verses for all of these, and it blew up the whole slide. So read the Gospels, I promise it's there. Uh, so the bottom line, our role as kings is to extend the grace of God towards everything and everyone in our realm. Amen. Boom. Priests. We're moving right along. Uh, we, the church, are the dwelling place of God. We talked about that. We are literally his house. He is, uh, I hesitate to use the word physically present, but he is actually in this space. <laughs> we can't touch him, but he's here. Uh, we can't actually see him, but he is in the room and he's in our hearts. Um, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, this is a verse that I quoted earlier, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. <laughs> so the eternal role of the kings and priests of God is to be the dwelling place of Jesus. And you are now the intersection of heaven and earth. Now back in the tabernacle system and in the temple system, um, the Jews really believed that heaven and earth converged in that place. Um, because that was where God dwelt. That's where he lived. He, he is heaven. He was heaven. And so if you go to the temple, you're in heaven. And so now that's us. Side note. Worship is the main name of the game of the pre for the priesthood. That is a personal thing that I love. Personal calling that I get to experience in a practice, as you know. Um, uh, in Isaiah it says, uh, For I give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. That's why he made us the way that he made us. But we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> that is a rabbit hole that I can't dive into. Today, I'm talking about how our job as a priest is to intercede on behalf of people before God. So in the Old Testament, the priests sacrificed animals so that the sins of Israel could be forgiven and washed away, removed from that person. Um, they interceded so that God wouldn't hold or enforce um, the, the consequences and the punishment of their sin against that individual. Amazing that that was possible in the Old Testament. But that happened through animal sacrifice. Now in the New Testament, uh, we the priests extend the forgiveness of Jesus who was the perfect and final sacrifice on the cross toward everything and everyone in our realm. Right? Amen. So we already have a sacrifice, and it's Jesus. And we get to apply the benefits of that sacrifice to anybody that is in our realm. Which is astounding. And that is forgiveness, that is grace. And we're going to talk more about that later. Um, this verse fascinates me. Jesus said, this is at the end of his ministry. He has already been resurrected, and he's about to leave again. Um, and he, he, he doesn't give them a sermon. He doesn't give them another message. He doesn't rebuke them. He's preparing them to be the church. And this is what he says. Uh, after he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive God. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And it stuck out to me that those two thoughts were, they were connected in Jesus' mind. He, God is going to live in you, and so the ministry of forgiveness and reconciliation is the 
outflow of God in your heart. Isn't that kind of bizarre? <laughs> um, so one of the ways that you can recognize uh, Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, is in your ability to find grace and forgiveness based on what Jesus did for another person. And he, he partners... He partners with us, or we partner with God, to cleanse the world of sin, death, and lawlessness by embodying the forgiveness and acceptance of the cross. Wow. Um, Jesus demonstrated this by forgiving people, which again, that was blasphemous at the time. Because people had to go to the temple to be forgiven. They had to kill an animal if they wanted to be forgiven. So when Jesus touched a leper, uh, I'm sorry, a paralyzed man, and he said, your sins are forgiven. He had no authority to do that unless he was actually God. Unless he was actually the new temple. And so now we actually get to participate in that. Again, we're going to talk about it. Um, and he demonstrated this by dying. He laid down his life so that someone, that everyone else could live, so that we could live. That death was for forgiveness and it was for grace. Um, I don't have time to go into it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's, there's so much here. Um, so you the bottom line. Our role as priests is to extend the grace of God towards everything and everyone in our realm. I don't know if you can see that um, in the back here. It's Jesus saying, hey, can you pass this little note along? <laughs> and we're in the middle, and there's a sad person. <laughs> yeah, I drew that myself. Okay. Again, what's the difference between the godly and the ungodly? God. Yeah. Of course. Story time. Long time ago, I want to I kind of give you a word picture for how this can look in practice. Um, a long time ago, I worked at a bank. I was a bank teller for two and a half years. You know how I was doing. <laughs> um, while I worked at the bank, I represented the bank. I was Huntington Bank. Anytime somebody walked through that door, they were coming to the bank, but they were coming to me. And I wore the brand, I wore the clothing, I, I had the logo on my shirt, um, I knew all the information and all the systems that people needed to know, I had access to information, um, I was authorized to distribute funds, give people cash, or receive cash and negotiate transactions between a person and the bank. Um, I was authorized to solve problems, answer questions, um, any business that a person had with the bank, they came to me for Right? Uh, that is us in the kingdom. Any business that someone has with God, they can come to us. If someone needs to be forgiven, we can actually extend them uh, the benefit of that, the experience of that. If somebody needs resources or blessing from God, we can distribute that. We're authorized to do that. If somebody needs healing power um, or a breakthrough or whatever, God can put it in our lives and we can be the answer prayer for that person. Is this making sense? Isn't this crazy? Again, our entire life. I'm still figuring this out. <laughs> um, so I came up with a couple practical ways that you can begin to apply this to be a priest and a king. Number one, forgive everyone. Literally everyone. Um, okay, what about any details like Number two, watch your mouth. <laughs> watch what's coming out of your mouth. I drew that one too. Isn't it cute? Oh. <laughs> Um, not just between you and someone else, 
a lot of times we talk about forgiveness and we talk about being reconciled to each other. But there's something else happening where there are people that enter into our sphere of influence and they have beef with God. Right? There is something between them and God that you're not a part of. You didn't personally offend them. Or maybe they didn't personally offend you. It doesn't matter. Something in their life is halting the flow of grace towards them and the flow of life towards them. So we as priests can actually intercede for that person and extend forgiveness towards them. And it comes out as acceptance. And we say, I'm not holding anything against you. I just love you. I already forgave you for the garbage that I see right in front of me. Again, remember Jesus said, Whatever, um, whoever you forgive will be forgiven. So when you forgive, um, you're opening an avenue in their life to receive the grace of God. And this is something that I just uh, woke up to a few months ago. I'm still exploring it, so I don't have enough personal experience to figure out where it's going to go in the long run. But I'm really kind of pressing in for what this can look like, a prophetic forgiveness, representational forgiveness of Christ uh, for people that I don't know. Um, but for the people that you do know and who do come into your sphere, now you are the delivery man and woman of the free gift of God, which is reconciliation. So when I go to the grocery store, I smile at everybody. I go out of my way to smile at people. So, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, to make sure that they know that they are accepted. I want them, I want to have that moment where I catch their eye and I smile at them and just communicate, I accept you. You're awesome. Um, and that is, I just, I just think there's something to it, man. Uh, good places to practice while you're driving. This is a good one for me. For some people, like me, it's a good place to practice swearing. It's a better place. <laughs> Not swearing. It's a better place to practice forgiveness. Uh, at work, with your coworkers, or your crazy That's people funny. who enter into your sphere, and they are, they need forgiving. <laughs> uh, scrolling through Facebook, again, this one gets me, regularly. I hate all of my friends on Facebook, none of you. <laughs> I don't hate anybody. Um, seriously, that my, my anger button always gets, gets activated while I'm on Facebook, and yes. I'm constantly finding that I have to forgive both sides. I have to forgive everybody. I have to forgive myself. I have to forgive my crazy friend and whoever they're mad at. Like, I just... <laughs> Great place to practice this concept of forgiving people that are not actually in front of me. <laughs> um, anytime that you see injustice, this is a good way to practice. Forgive the offender. Ooh, that's radical. Don't pick a side. Actually forgive the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Because that is the kind of forgiveness that demonstrates Christ. That is the kind of forgiveness that represents who Jesus is. When we say, you have done a terrible thing. You are doing terrible things. You are a terrible person. And I forgive you. And I love you. And I want the best for you. And I'm not going to hold it against you. And I'm not going to write a rant on Facebook about you. I'm going to forgive you. Uh, Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And love your enemies. Again, I could, I could go on. There's so much. <laughs> so much there. And number two, practical application. Watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. This is in Malachi, the Old Testament. Last prophet before uh, Matthew. Or sorry, the last 
prophet written in the Bible in order. Um, for the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The lips of a priest should guard knowledge. Um, Ephesians 4, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is primarily transmitted through your mouth, through the words that you say. The blessings of heaven are usually spiritual. Sometimes they're monetary and they're practical, but I'm not talking about that today. I wanted to, but I didn't. Um, so I'm talking about how the spiritual blessings like joy and peace and freedom and love and compassion, those things are they are designed to come out of our mouth. So the question is, what's coming out of you? Are you aware? Um, what I'm not talking about is swearing, although it's probably good to avoid that. I'm not talking about name it and claim it theology. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. If you do know what it is, just, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm not talking about positive declarations. Uh, me and my friends, we have these like clickers where we'll add up to 100, like say 100 good things a day, positive things a day, and just affirm those things. That is good, but I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm also not talking about evangelizing everywhere we go, or talking to everybody about Jesus. That is a good thing, but it's, again, not what I'm covering. Right. Uh, so just in your normal, everyday conversations, what is coming out of your mouth, right? Practical, really just mundane, what's, what's happening? Is your speech life-giving? Is it encouraging, empowering, compassionate? Is it honorable and hopeful and patient and kind? Is it knowledgeable and informed? Uh, is it lovely? Is it generous? Is it honest and straightforward? I'm good at that one. Is it, is it others focused? Does it assume the best? Is it worth listening to? Is it enriched with scripture and resonant with truth? Is that what's coming out of you? If you were to, if I were to listen to your conversations through the week, is that what I would hear? Does it give grace to its hearers? Does your speech empower the people around you to be everything that God has called them to be and more? Yeah? Or is it negative, cynical, full of complaints, full of gossip, full of cheap humor? I, that one gets me. Uh, sarcastic, rude, self-focused, ignorant, check your backs. Uh, is it lewd or obscene? Is it fleshly? Is it careless? Are you even aware of what's coming out of your mouth? Do you say things accidentally? Um, is it divisive? Is it rebellious or jealous or passive-aggressive or maybe actually aggressive? Is it legalistic? Are you, putting, are you making up rules for other people? Or getting mad when they break the rules that you have for yourself and for them? Is it full of compromise? Where you say, oh, it doesn't matter. There's no standard. Um, is it loaded with unspoken expectations or past hurts or unresolved grievances? What is coming out of you? Are those things leaking into the conversations that you have? And ask yourself, is what I'm about to say even worth saying? I am still learning to put this filter on my mouth, and it is difficult. Let me tell you, James said whoever can control the tongue is perfect. I am, yeah. I am not perfect. Goodness gracious. 
So if God pours living water through you, is it going to come out bitter? Or will it come out pure? Because he wants to bless your realm of influence, not curse it. So be mindful of what's flowing out of you. Pro tip, just be intentional. Just double check whatever's about to come out, grab it and say, is it good? Is this a good thing to say? Um, so I'm going to summarize everything. That went by really quick, which is great. God's redemptive plan, the big picture, to live with us forever, to dwell with us for the rest of eternity. Ding! Um, he is preparing a place to live, and he's doing it in our realm of influence. He's starting now. Um, and that is the eternal plan to turn all of creation into a household for himself. So as kings and as priests, our role is to carry his presence, distribute his blessings, and embody the forgiveness of the cross. To extend the grace of God towards everything and everyone in our sphere of influence, our realm. Um, and finally, we can steward this by forgiving everyone and by guarding our mouths. So finally, what is the difference between the godly and the ungodly? God. You guys are so good at this. Mm -hmm. All right. Shamrock. Anyways. <laughs>